Welcome! You're listening to the Creative Women's Call podcast with Agnieszka and Ari, where we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of having a small business and being a creative woman entrepreneur. This is episode two, Owning Your Success with Danny Fountain. Hi guys, I hope that you're all having a wonderful day. Today, Ari and I are so excited to have our very first guest on our podcast. And today we will be chatting with Denis Fountain. And Denny is a marketing expert, business strategist, author, and educator. And she is passionate about helping people simplify their life and business. So Denny, thank you so much for being here today. We're so excited to hear your story. And Ari, would you like to take the moment and just let everyone know how you met Danny? Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually super excited to have you here because I know you've done so many amazing things and I'm pretty much following you, like seeing your nomad experience and stuff like that. So it's just, it has been such a, a great opportunity to be able to get to know you. And it's just like so easy for us these days to get to know somebody else's in either different countries or a different state and things like that and I didn't even know that Danny was actually in Chicago until I saw the, this um, Facebook post from Samantha Johnson I think at a time she was um, having um, Flock and Co so um, her platform for like connecting um, creative women entrepreneurs and things like that. And I saw that she had a meeting with you and I was like, who is this lady? I want to meet her. And I was like, and then I saw, I was like, oh, she's in Chicago. We definitely have to meet. And I was like, and she's so open mind too. And just like, yes, I would also like to meet you and let's grab lunch and things like that. And we just like hit it off. And I feel like her story is so unique and um i have no idea that she was also so young and i was like wow you've accomplished so much and you're still so young i was like how did that happen amazing so um that's pretty much how i getting um pretty much get started to get to know danny and i'll learn what she does and invite her to our creative women's co event and she did amazing job guiding our pretty much attendees into like her perfect pitch um presentation so that was amazing and yeah I think I talked too much about how I met her but I'm (laughs) super excited just letting you guys know um who she is and I would love to kind of like dig deep a little bit into how she um kind of like own her own success because um there is one big story that I would like for you guys to kind of listen in and um this happened all the time too and Hopefully it will inspire everyone to just kind of take action and don't have to worry about what um, people are thinking about you or even saying about you. Just keep doing what you're doing. So that's pretty much sums up how I met Danny. And um, yeah, Agnieszka, do you want to just kind of like ask Danny um, our next question? Oh, that's so great. I'm so glad that you had a chance to meet her. And if I was still living in Chicago, I would have totally loved to have a coffee with you as well. Um, so yeah, Danny, do you want to just take the time now to introduce yourself and tell us, you know, what do you do and how do you got to do what you do today? Heck yeah. Thank you both so much for having me on. Um, my adventure is a winding road, um, <laughs> to say the least. I was 14 years old and dating the child of a state representative in Michigan. 
um, when the state representative asked me if I would be interested in helping him with his campaign for state senate. And at the time, I thought I was going to go and get a law degree and go into politics. So I said, heck yes, I'll help. This will look amazing on my resume when I'm applying for college. And I ended up helping uh, him get elected. He's since gotten elected twice more. Uh, but in that moment, I kind of fell in love with marketing. And I I kind of just set it to the back of my mind. It, it wasn't a focus. I was still really had my heart set on being a politician, um, but saw that this marketing could be a way for me to make some money and started taking freelance clients on the side through the rest of high school and through undergrad. And even after I graduated undergrad, so second semester senior year of undergrad, I finally firmly decided on a marketing degree, um, graduated undergrad with a marketing degree and got a job working at Whirlpool. And Whirlpool Corporation is a appliance manufacturer based on the West Coast of Michigan. Got a job as the assistant brand manager for Whirlpool Laundry, doing all the marketing work for the laundry units that were being launched. And while I was at Whirlpool, they underwent a huge rebrand. They rebranded the business. And while all of this was going on at Whirlpool, I was still freelancing on the side. And I ended up moving to Chicago for love. The love didn't work out, but the entrepreneurship definitely did. Um, because in 2016, I ended up getting laid off twice in six months. And after eight years of being a part-time entrepreneur, working on the side, working at night, working after jobs, I took my business full-time, um, which catches you up to where I am today, where now I'm a marketing strategist, primarily for corporate clients, but I also serve creative entrepreneurs, crafting marketing strategy, launch strategy, and sometimes even business strategy for businesses that need a little bit of support. Oh, wow, Danny, that is such a great story. It's so interesting to see how oftentimes these things that happen to us um, really lead us to something amazing. And for you being laid off from those jobs, you know, really pushed you to uh, start your full-time business. And that is just such a great story. So thank you for sharing that. But what would you say was the biggest challenge of um, getting to be where you are today? I think the one thing that I come up against time and time again um, is my age. Mm -hmm. I, I've always had a firm grasp on marketing strategy, and I've always had a really clear understanding of where I wanted to help people go. Um, but my experience in terms of years on this earth Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't always match yeah. up to the vision that they have. They, there are plenty of times where people don't quite understand how someone now 23 years old mm -hmm. um, can help craft a strategy for a 100-year-old business. Oh, wow, yeah. I can't believe you're only 23. And that's just so amazing that you have all these experiences already. But um, what would you say that you do to help you overcome that challenge? It's, it's all about being to highlight... Um, what you've accomplished in the past, right? Um, even though I'm 23 years old and that's young and I only graduated undergrad three years mm -hmm. ago, 
I'm able to highlight the past nine years of work freelancing and use that as a proof point. So even though they might have a concern around my age, they can look at the body of work that I've completed and see that that far outweighs how young I may or may not be. Yeah. So um, related to that, actually, how would you say, like, when somebody perceives you as to be very young um, with so much knowledge that you have in the past and those ex- nine years experience that you already have and men- mentioned earlier, how do you actually convey that to, like, let's say, a very traditional corporate um, executive? So as you know, Ari, um, and for the audience, my brand is uh, what you would call rough around the edges. I highlight the fact that I have tattoos and that I travel Mm -hmm. and that I like to drink whiskey. And so for the corporate brands that I'm working with, they have a corporate mentality, right? And there's, um, they, they have to manage risk. And so in their case, they're not always willing to push the envelope when Mm -hmm. it comes to marketing, but pushing the envelope may be precisely what they need to break through whatever sales plateau they're currently stuck at. So in my case, my age and these other characteristics of having tattoos and drinking whiskey and traveling, um, I've been able to parlay them in my favor because Uh, We can craft this marketing strategy, and if for some reason the executives that we present it to absolutely hate it, Mm -hmm. the team that's hired me um, can essentially scapegoat the project on me if they need to and say, oh, well, it's this contractor we hired, and none of them are in danger of their jobs being in jeopardy because they're able to blame it on me. But on the flip side, if it goes really well, they're able to claim the success, you know, of having a campaign that challenges the envelope. Mm -hmm. So by framing it that way and allowing them to scapegoat me as needed, um, it's actually turned into quite the benefit in the corporate world. That's actually pretty smart. (laughs) I mean, like, I've never really thought of it that way. But when you position yourself that way, it feels like they got nothing to lose, really, right, when working with you. So they can either, like, celebrate with you when the success actually comes. But when something happened unexpectedly, they can just, like, okay, refer to you. And um, they pretty much have nothing to lose, literally, right? Yeah. And we're, I mean, I tell them up front, I'm... I'm not going to be upset if you blame any failure on me uh, because I would rather the contractor get fired than anyone in the company lose their job, right? Yeah, totally. That's super smart, Danny. Oh, man. Um, all right. So let's move on to the other um, question that I feel like it's going to be um, slightly deeper. So I, mm-hmm. I actually kind of read this small section from a book um, called Knowing Your Value, Woman, Money, and Getting you, getting What You're Worth by Micah Brzezinski. And um, she kind of write this one line that really struck me. And I read, knowing your value means owning your success. And owning your success means acknowledging your achievement. But on another note, though, I also saw an article earlier today um, and it pretty much mentioned the opposite. It says owning your accomplishment might be sabotaging your success. So from your perspective, Danny, do you agree with either one or how do you own your success and achievements? So it it's interesting because I think that 
it's a double-edged sword in that we as entrepreneurs, because we don't have the luxury of annual performance reviews or bonuses or bosses to tell us when we're doing something right, Mm -hmm. um, we have to own our successes for our own uh, sanity. You know, we have to give ourselves credit where credit is due. But I also Mm -hmm. think that depending on what our branding is for our company, um, owning our successes can hurt us. If you've branded yourself as someone who inserts themselves into a company and supports the company, you don't want to own your success because your entire brand is built around plugging yourself into a company. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a business coach, um, technically you get all of these incredible results for your clients and you coach them to those places. But if you own those successes in your marketing, uh, you come off as braggy rather than supportive. Um, so I think we have to be willing to own our success in our own heads and acknowledge and keep a list of the things that we've accomplished. But when it comes to outwardly marketing our successes, we have to find the balance with our branding that makes sense. Mm, okay, I definitely agree with that one. So this this specific question is just popping up to my head, actually. So in your experience... What has worked for you or did you ever encounter like a bad experience when it comes to like owning your successes or like when you achieve something and you kind of like share it? um, Does it actually kind of like come back to you in a bad way or um, is there any like a bad experience that you experienced from that? So that's a good question because our entrepreneurial community online is so small, right? Yeah. Um, our community, though it's spread across the globe, the internet shrinks that distance and we're able to have these much more intimate relationships with a much larger number of people. Um, and it's interesting how that can bring up conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm friends with people who might be considered my competitors and I'm friends with people who might be considered my superiors or inferiors as far as business success goes. And so when you share, you, you have to know that when you share your success, someone's going to get jealous, but that's not a reflection on you. Um, that's a reflection on their own insecurity. And on the flip side, I do that. Like I get jealous of other people's success. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I recognize that it's my own insecurity and my own questions of will I ever achieve that that are making me jealous of them. So the short answer is yes, I've had negative reactions when I've shared my success. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also realized that, um, you know, I don't, I don't need to necessarily own the guilt that comes from sharing my success as long as I'm sharing it in a true and humble way. I like that. And I also like it when you mentioned that you also kind of get jealous when seeing people, especially on Instagram, right? You see all those like pretty pictures, like perfectly crafted position and style. And you just kind of wonder, okay, how do people get a time to actually do this all the time and putting Mm -hmm. so perfect feed? But I think it also kind of just like, 
it could be us, right? It could be just us. And I think we have to be aware of um, being jealous. And is it actually worth our time to do that? Or can we just mm-hmm. like focus our energy and creating what um, we can do best and promoting our business in a good manner and things like that. But you can't stop that feeling though, because as a human being, we still have that emotion, like jealousy or like anything else, envious and stuff like that. So when you do actually feel jealous, Danny, what would you do? Like, do you actually caught yourself feeling jealous or what was that experience for yourself? So when I catch myself feeling jealous, I actually let myself feel the jealousy Mm -hmm. um, because my personality is such that when I get jealous, I turn it into a motivator. Um, so for me, that is awesome. Uh, That's great. Yeah, feeling the jealousy is good, but I can definitely understand um, if if feeling the jealousy didn't fuel my drive, um, I would need to find some kind of self care solution to allow myself to feel the jealousy, but not get so attached to the jealousy that it begins to impact my work. Mm, yeah. Totally. Um, All right. So moving on from there, um, I pretty much have heard your story before. And I was so impressed that I that you pretty much accomplished so many things. And you've been to 29 countries. Or are you still counting? (laughs) I'm over 29 now. Oh, wow. Okay. That's over 29 countries. That's amazing. And you also mentioned that you survived four near misses with terrorist attacks. So that is just blew my mind when I read that. And you brave through all of that. How do you keep being positive? So I think, and so I have a book coming out this fall that tells my full life story. Um, but braving terrorist attacks and traveling to so many countries aren't my first encounters with rough situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a product of child abuse. I came out as gay when I was 13. Um, so I think... My entire life experience has been built of the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. I haven't really lived a life that's walked the middle road, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, just I I focus on the fact that we the experiences that we have in our lives are the direct result of the the work that we put in. And so in my case, um, it would do me no justice to be scared to travel or to be scared of getting caught up in a terrorist attack Mm -hmm. because I derive far more joy from going on an adventure Mm -hmm. than the pain I would feel in an instant from getting caught up in a terrorist attack, if that makes sense. I think Agnieszka actually relate to that because she loves doing adventure and she loves traveling as well. And um, a great thing that I pretty much got from you is that I think it, there should not be anything that stops you from doing what you want to do in your life, right? I mean, seriously, you only live one time and you might as well make the best of it. My mom always said that to me and I think it's so true and I think there are so many factors these days that kind of let kind of like pretty much stop us from doing the things that we want to do and it's still on our bucket list and so Danny can you actually 
kind of guide us through your mindset of not letting fear or danger stop you from doing the things that you love or especially doing things that you want to do in your life like whether or not it's gonna be like business related or like life related or like even work-life balance related can you kind of like guide us into your own mindset and it's like so that we don't um kind of like let the fear stop us from doing the things we love so I have a two-part answer to this question and the first the first part of this answer is I'm not as good at being brave as I would like to be Mm -hmm. um full transparency the moment that shifted my intention of being brave um was last year in 2016 and I had those terrorist attack encounters and I was so afraid, but at the same time, like a month after one of those terrorist attacks, ISIS published this list of places that they could or would attack in the near future. And one of the places on the list was the mall in the town that I lived in, in Illinois. And in that moment, I was like, okay, so it doesn't matter if I'm in Budapest or Italy or Spain or any of the places I'm going this year or my hometown, um, terrorism is still around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, it's, it's just, I, the best way to explain it is we, we all have things that scare us and we all have things that are worth being afraid of because of our life experience. Um, But I just keep reminding myself that the benefits outweigh like whatever could happen, like taking a big risk in business is worth it to be able to say, Oh my gosh, I tried this incredible thing. I crashed and burned, but here are the 20 lessons that I learned from trying that thing. Or I went to this country, like I was in Toronto last week, Mm -hmm. and my bank froze my bank account because they thought I was some kind of terrorist or something. Oh my goodness. Um, Because I've been near all these terrorist attacks. And so in that moment, I could have been like, well, crap, I'm in this country with no money and anything could happen. But I just took it as a challenge to, okay, I have $120 cash. How can I make this last me an entire week? Oh my God, that's crazy. (laughs) You just have to have the mentality of like living for the story, I guess. Mm -hmm. And you're so spontaneous too. And you go along with it. And you're, I feel like you're okay with whatever happened. And you feel like even though you're not prepared, you make yourself to be prepared, right? And, um, you always look at the good side of it and how can you actually um, turn things like in the good way instead of looking at <clears throat> on the bad side of it. So that is just crazy. I don't know what I would have done if I have no money. And did $150 actually set you for a whole week? Yeah. I mean, Amazing. I think the thing is, I think the thing is, like, these things are going to happen to us in life. Yeah. We can either experience them happy or experience them angry. They're still going to happen regardless. So we might as well experience them happy and laughing. Yes. Oh, wow. You are so inspirational. 
I just want to go and travel and explore now and you just got me all inspired but what would you say was your favorite country or city that you visited after seeing so many different you know places uh, do you even have a favorite been to so many countries since I've been to this country but it's still my favorite um, so the city of Budapest in Hungary is my absolute favorite place in the world. And uh, it's so funny because I chose to go to Budapest, mm-hmm. not because I wanted to see Budapest, um, but because it was the cheapest place that I could get an airline oh. ticket when I was choosing to go on a vacation. Yeah. You know what? Somebody actually told me the other day that we should go to Bulgaria. I was like, seriously, what's in Bulgaria? And people <laughs> told me, because nobody actually thought of going there, it's actually the calmest place to, uh, for like sightseeing and um, just like relax. I was like, and the food is amazing or so I've heard. It's like, okay, then I need to put that in my bucket list now. Definitely, definitely. Denny, you're just so inspirational and I'm just so inspired by you. So uh, thank you so much for being our very first guest in our podcast and for sharing your story with us. So would you want to just take a moment now and let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, the best place, honestly, is Instagram, um, because my link in my bio has links to anything else you might want. And plus, Instagram is where I share all my travel adventures. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in today. It was a pleasure having Danny in our podcast, and we hope that you liked this episode. We would love to hear from you, so please be sure to leave us a review, and we hope you have a wonderful day. This episode was sponsored by Chikalafia Design and Wonder Image Photography. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have an amazing day. 